With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush, and we're determined to get our Old Norwich back. We'll be talking the current games and looking back at the glory times as well. We're on to episode 36, so if you're just tuning in or you're listening for the first time, plenty to go back and have a listen through, and we'll talk more about that as we go. So coming up in this episode, the awesome foursome times two but no more wild west football it is episode 36 and we need to get back to our greatest ever countdown we've done managers we're now on the greatest ever norwich city squad and compiling it all we will be talking strikers in this episode but where to start preston 4-0 coventry 4-2 i think everything's going incredibly well for mr wagner Absolutely brilliant, really, isn't it, John? I mean, I'm I'm sort of over the moon. <laughs> to, to quote a cliche, yeah, quite. Uh, no, I mean, I thought um, uh, obviously a really good start last week against Preston, and um, and then to you know to to follow that up, I think, and I think on Saturday's game actually, what was probably just as striking, apart from going 3-0 up, was then overcoming that little wobble, as you say, the Wild West football in the first half and uh, settled down. And um, I I didn't watch the second half, but I understand that... um, um, we uh, we let them have very few chances and, and not much of the ball, it seems. Mm, absolutely. And I think overall, before we, we, we delve into the Wild West side of it, I think what a transformation we've seen for Kieran Darrell, O'Neill Hernandez, and also Josh Sargent getting a, an all-important goal against Coventry. Yes. I, and don't you think that's beginning to indicate, actually, that under Dean Smith, we were trying to play the wrong sort of football with the squad of players? Mm. That's what it, I mean, that's beginning to have that appearance, isn't it? It's certainly looking that way, isn't it? That you yeah. would and, and giving them and Dow scoring goals and, and setting up chances 
Hernandez, I mean, amazingly scoring a goal. Should have had another one uh, against Coventry as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is what you want. You want players that actually offer something. Don't you? You, you you want these players to come in and go, well, actually, you don't need to pick Adam either because you can pick me and, and, and vice versa. You when you want when the, when they're given the chance, you want them to grab it with both hands. Yeah, and they are. And, but, but obviously it takes it looks as if it takes this style of football as well, doesn't it? Yeah, because they never seemed to take it before. And that, that you know, that must go back to what they were being asked to do, presumably. Yes. Or, or how they were being encouraged or, or not encouraged. So um, yeah. in the last episode, we talked about where we were in the table and how close <laughs> we were to relegation. So we're, we're, we're now fifth in the table, which I believe is in the playoff spot. <laughs> Absolutely, and I was completely wrong, wasn't I? <laughs> and I'm delighted to say I was because I just I did have that that feeling, and and uh, and and as I said, and obviously I read too much into it. I I didn't think these uh, these players had it in them, but um, quite clearly they have with the right coach. Uh, you know, okay, I suppose it is still still early days, but it has completely changed the complexion going forward. And uh, it's a big game. I, I mean, I, I don't know what you think, John, about next week's game, which would have been a home game against Birmingham being put off. Got extra time, if you like, with um, uh, Wagner on the on the training pitch, but would it, would it have been better to keep playing? Well, I think obviously it's the momentum, isn't it? That's the big question, is whether you wanted the momentum to keep going. But we're only playing one game a week in January anyway. And I'm not sure now having a two-week break is probably the end of the world. No. Especially having beaten Preston and Coventry, I think, if uh, if if results have gone other way. And he, he can now work on that whole Wild West football. The quote comes from Wagner himself. He says, yes. you know, we, we need to use more intelligence, particularly after going 3-0 up against Coventry and, and control the game more. I thought it was interesting. He said, we, we showed them the videos in the, in at half-time. I know, yeah. Of, of what they'd done wrong in the first half. And that that's turning stuff around pretty quick. I mean, I remember... Jose Mourinho used to sit on the bench and write notes on a piece of paper. Yeah, now you've got someone making a PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> uh, ready for the ready for the players. Um, but I think so. Yes, we we were supposed to be playing Birmingham. Yeah, but that's now been put back to February twenty first. So it is Burnley up next. I know what a game that is. Um, on a Saturday lunchtime at twelve thirty at home, and I think. It, and I said this in the last episode, I think playing away has been easier for Norwich for the last two games. Yeah. Because I think there there wasn't the pressure on them. And it's going to be a huge game now against Burnley, particularly because we, have, we, we seem to have turned the corner, as you say, early days. Yeah. But Burnley are a very, very good team. Yeah. And, and they won nine on the trot or something like that, haven't they? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and they are going up. I mean, we are th- three points above 12th, which I think is really interesting. So we are firmly in the playoff places at the moment, but there are 10 teams where five points separate each other. That's from third to 12th. It's just five yeah. points. And we're, we, uh, we are in fifth place, but we're three points above Swansea, who are 12th. And that yeah. shows and, how and, and tight it two, is. It is, and one or two have got uh, games in hand, haven't they, John? A few have, yeah. And I Sun- think Millwall, Millwall and Luton, I think, have got games in hand. And Sunderland had a big win yesterday against uh, Middlesbrough, and and that kept them in the mix as well within that in that twelve. Oh, so. did it? I, 
I missed I missed that yesterday. Yeah, too. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So for and and because because it did look. I think I said to you after the Preston game that with Middlesbrough, Watford, West Brom, um, and thus it looked as if the the league would would settle down with the bigger teams, but um, it might not necessarily go like that, might it? Well, particularly if you don't. If you don't carry on winning, I mean, if Norwich carry on winning, it's not going to be an issue. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's no, right. But yeah. Yeah. as we say, when you then play Burnley next, I think what's interesting is we then have the, the shortest month of the year in February, and we have six yeah. games, <laughs> which are, is, is probably going to be the busiest month of the year for Norwich. We play twice a week, effectively, then, because of right. the extra Birmingham game that goes in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether another game may be cancelled from FA Cup, who knows? It depends who's uh, uh, who's yeah, still who's, in the draw. Um, I thought, interestingly, and we obviously watched the first half together on, on, on yeah. Saturday, I thought, and you were not a big fan of Giannoulis, and nor was uh, Mr <laughs> Wagner, who pulled him off at half-time. <laughs> no, I mean, just... I, I, I mean, I've got nothing against him normally. I mean, obviously, he always looks a better attacker, but he uh, he does play well there. But he is defending in that that um, uh, you know in, in that spell it was horrendous, wasn't it? He was uh, he was diving in, and uh, um, no, but I was really pleased that they that they dug themselves out of that because, as you say, okay, um, the players still had to take it on board at half time, didn't they? And and uh, and react and. Um, yeah, yeah, it's all looked very bright I, I, as well. And that that um, Timu Puki, who, who obviously didn't score on Saturday, but that ball he played back for Sargent's goal, yeah, um, was a bit special. And I mean, I always thought we, we, you know, for a long time we've never we never scored those sort of goals. The ones where you, you know you're in the middle of the goal and it's, you've almost got a free goal to hit. Yeah. Um, no, I mean there were one or two players in the way, but. Um, you know, I, I always think they're a special goal when it, when it comes back like that. And, uh, and McCallum seemed to play incredibly well in the second half as well, uh, coming yeah, on that's in, Yeah, Giannis. that's encouraging. I yeah. think because, you know, he'd obviously come in at the end of Smith and, and replaced Giannoulis and then Wagner mixed it up again, as as he, as he, as he rightly does. But then this is what I mean about if you then bring him on, and he grabbed it with both hands. He was That's like, right. Actually, I am good yeah. enough to play in this position. Taking his chance. Yeah, absolutely. We did get... I think the, the worrying thing from Coventry point of view, certainly in that first half, was that they swept through us in the in towards the end of that first half. Which um, was our worry last time, wasn't it, John? When we when we talked about that, it's 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 great attacking, but um, our team's going to pick us pick us off with that. Um, if you like that, that lack of a, a defensive midfielder. Yeah. Um, yeah. When effectively you're playing Kenny McLean in the middle and that's it. Yeah. And if you step up a level now to Burnley, uh, I mean, that will, you know, this really is a good, a good test, a game at home uh, in the, the, the way that Burnley ran it. I mean, we watched some of them, them the other night, didn't we, John? Yes. And the way they were run, running at, uh, uh, was it West Brom, West Brom in those, uh, in that last 20 minutes or so. Um yeah, and a great, yeah. great free kick winner as well, uh, from uh, yeah, from, yeah. Uh, from a young kid who, uh, who they yeah. bought in the summer. Yeah. So yeah, interesting times in February to come. We're now not back in action for two weeks though, so no game uh, at the end of January. So. Episode 36 of the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than splendid rush. And 
We've had a bit of a break of it in the last few weeks due to manager sackings and World Cups and Christmas and various other things. But we need to get back to the greatest countdown. Of course, we declared Dave Stringer and Paul Lambert as the greatest ever managers in our first few episodes. We then started putting together our greatest ever squad. And I mentioned in the last episode, we've got 16 players so far. I'll run through them again, If, as I say, if you're a, a, a new listener. Gunn, Woods, Butterworth, Bruce, Watson, Bowen, Culverhouse, Martin, Martin Peters, Mike Phelan, Ian Crook, Jeremy Goss. Wes Houlihan, Dale Gordon, Rule Fox and Darren Huckabee. So we're moving on to the, some would say, the all-important striking list. Yes, John, I've started looking at the strikers going back to the time when I first went to Carroll Road. Um, and the first striker that I, um, I saw was a local lad called Terry Bly, who older listeners will remember from the, um, his, the, the big part he played in, in the, F, the run to the FA Cup semi-final in 1959. Now, as I say, Terry Bly was a local lad, so he was, he was really popular. He scored 38 goals for us in 67 appearances, um, mostly in the third, the, the, third, the third tier, but as I said, played a big part in that cup run. Also in that team, there was Terry Alcock. Mm. Now, you probably remember him, John, but by being, he's still the club's all-time record goal scorer. Yeah. Um, he, he played alongside Terry Bly in that uh, team in 1959. He, um, uh, sort of as an inside forward, he also played a striker and, and then later in his career moved to midfield. Um, just the, the strength of him, John, he... He broke his leg in 1960, so it wasn't long after that cup run and, and we just got promoted back to Division 2. But he returned within 100 days. He was back playing again for City. Which in those days... Just over three months. Yeah. Absolutely. In those absolutely days, incredible. Was, was incredible, yeah. So, um, yeah, he was player of the season for us and he scored 127 goals in 389 appearances. I was just going to... Mention one of those appearances where 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 I was present, 1963. I think I've mentioned it before on these podcasts. Because of the bad weather, we didn't start playing the third round of the FA Cup until mid-March. Our mm. third round tie was postponed 11 times. So we kicked off in mid-March after beating Blackpool in a replay. So having, having been postponed 11 times, we then had a replay. <laughs> <laughs> um but we, um, in the fourth round, we faced Newcastle at Carroll Road under the lights, and I was in a crowd of 35,000. Um, we beat them 5-0, and Terry Alcock scored four. Wow. I can still picture him in that game. I was, I, I'm pretty sure I was up in the River End, and um, um, I, I, I do still remember that game. I mean, obviously, someone scoring four goals is a bit special. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's Terry Alcock. The rest of the 1960s then, we, we, we tried several strikers as we tried to Im improve and mount a challenge to try and get into the, the top division. Um, I'm just going to mention three from that period um, that I particularly remember. Hugh Curran, 53 goals in 24, 100, 124 appearances over three seasons. He was player of the year for 67, 68. Um, but then um, also playing alongside, don't forget these were the days when we played with two strikers. 
Ron Davies. Now, Ron Davies was a great strike, a great header of the ball. If you saw him coming thundering in, you knew it was going to be a goal. Hmm. Um, um, so he was a really good player for us, but in quite an average team. He scored 66 goals for us in 126 appearances. So that's more than... Um, uh, one every two games over three seasons when he was sold for 55,000 there was an uproar from the fans and th th that was the days before not many people had season tickets so you just paid your money every week and there was a big boycott of the club for a while crowds did dip wow uh, and he moved on then he had a good career at Southampton he played for Wales um, I think that was in the in, in the top division as well. So he was a really good player for us, and, and and probably of all these ones I'm mentioning, he he would he would he would probably come out out um, out top. The third one is John Manning. Um, he was two seasons with us. Probably I remember him more for his the chant we had for him rather than. Uh, <laughs> although he did score twenty go twenty two goals in sixty seven appearances, another good header of the ball. But I just remember him um, come on without, come on within. You've not seen nothing like John Manning from the <laughs> Bob Dylan song. Yeah. The Mighty Quinn. Yes. <laughs> the Mighty Quinn, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, John Manning. To, now we move, move forward into the 1970s and as we headed for the top flight for those that first time under Ron Saunders, at the beginning of that 71-2 promotion season, there was a lad called Peter Sylvester, another good little striker, 22 goals in 67 appearances for us. Um, but his um, he got quite badly injured in that promotion season and we didn't see a lot of him after that. But he did, he, the start of that season, he was the main goal scorer. He was then joined by a lad called David Cross, who came from Rochdale. And I remember this is the time before transfer windows, John. And I think I was up at... Carroll Road for um, a League Cup game and they announced at the end that we'd signed David Cross for 40,000 so this was around the October time of that promotion season right? and he was with us then for that promotion, the 72-3 League Cup final um, and surviving in the top flight um, and he scored 30 goals for us in 100, 106 appearances and he went on to play for Coventry, West Brom West Ham and Manchester City in the top flight. So he had a, a really good career. And as I say, we, we obviously helped him on, on his way. When I'm mentioning David Cross, I can't, I can't just skip by without mentioning Jimmy Bone. Cross and Bone was quite a favourite headline at the top. He joined us in that promotion season, came down from Scotland, and he was a striker who ran at defenders. John and he caused a lot of excitement um, he was only with us for just under a year but made a big impact scoring 13 goals in 47 appearances and he was Jimmy Bone superstar how many goals have you scored so far so uh, <laughs> another chant so it's interesting he only he had a chant and he was only there for for, for one season but what I think is interesting is I always know the 70s team with the defence as in Duncan at the back and Dave Stringer, but yeah. the strikers were never really. Maybe they weren't there long enough, but it, it didn't feel like growing up that you I, I I necessarily knew who the the strikers were in that promotion season. No, you're probably right because um, they then 
I mean, we had that promotion. We had the year we stayed up, and then, and then, of course, Ron Saunders went, and so the team changed over, and we're now coming to sort of John Bond coming in. Mm. So you're right. Well, of course, Stringer and Forbes and Kevin Keelan, yes, all went throughout that period, and and right throughout the, you know, quite a bit of the 1970s. Yeah. So I think you're probably right. Um, as, as I said, like David Cross was there two or three seasons, Jimmy Bone just one season. So, yeah, but they did. You know, obviously, we were scoring goals, and um, you know they were the ones who really played their their part. And do you think actually, and it, and we may talk about this more as the uh, as we talk about more strikers, that actually they do move on quicker. They don't they don't stay because if you score goals, you get sold. And, yes, and if you don't score goals, you don't play. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, quite. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, because you, you're, you're really that. You, you, you don't go under the. You're not under the wire, are you? You're you're really in the forefront. Um, no. So um, you're right, and and that happened with those because, as I said, David Cross then got signed. He he, he moved on, um, and and of course at that time as well, when you were changing managers as well, they bring in their own players, which leads us nicely, re- really, to the John Bond era, because he brought in two strikers. Both had been with him at his old club in Bournemouth. Right. Ted. Ted McDougall was a goal machine, particularly in the lower divisions. I mean, if I tell you, John, that he he put six past Oxford City in an FA Cup replay and scored nine goals in an 11-0 win over Margate in the first round of the Cup for, wow. uh, when he was at Bournemouth. And because of that, and he was scoring goals regularly in the third tier, he was sort of sought after. He, and, and as you say, he then moved on to Manchester United and West Ham. Yeah. Didn't really work out for him then. In the meantime, his manager at Bournemouth, of course, had now moved to Norwich, uh, and he so he brought in Ted McDougall from West Ham, right? Um, and also at Bournemouth, he had a uh, well. Ted McDougall really was not uh, what I would call a workhorse. Yeah. He was more of a goal hanger, what we'd call a goal hanger in our school <laughs> day, just hang around the goal and sniff a few goals. But he had a running uh, runner for him, a willing runner, and that was Phil Boyer, another another lovely player. And he joined us directly from Bournemouth. And so both of them in, in 74-5, that team that got us promoted, got us to the League Cup final and then established us back in the top flight. Mm. Um, they had a really good time. I, again, McDougall, I particularly remember, if you, you can imagine, Ted McDougall had come from Bournemouth, gone to Manchester United, not really done it there. And then in 74-5 in that League Cup semi-final up at Old Trafford where I was, um, I was at, he took tremendous stick from the Manchester United fans. And, of course, he scored a goal up there. Right. So, uh, you know, they're the sort of things that you never forget. You, yes, yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and obviously, uh, obviously, I recognise Ted's name and, and, and Phil Boyer we talked about in the England episode as well, didn't we? Yeah, uh, that's right. Now, you see, ago. Ted McDougall scored 66 goals for us in 138 appearances. So that's quite a, another good uh, uh, record. The These players, like most of them, won't appear in our final list because obviously we're going to come on to other strikers. And if you had to take McDougall there, you'd have to have Phil Boyer as well. And that's an interesting question, that actually there are some strikers who play better with somebody else. Yes, yes. Because after McDougall left us... Um, after one season, I think, in the top flight and moved to Southampton. Boyer stayed a bit longer. 
But he he then joined McDougall again in Southampton, and they had another good run down there where they got them promoted to the top flight and had a a, a run there. So so they really were um, uh, like wine and cheese, really. Um, together yeah and and having those part and creating a partnership i mean obviously um i can remember um dean and and biggins particularly yeah i got yeah i've got to met yeah i'm not going to mention that a bit later I yes mean, you're right I, I yeah mean, drink drinkle and biggins um, yeah in the early yeah. in the, the midnight well remembered and and obviously you know chris sutton um when he came into the team he he not necessarily with strikers but he obviously played brilliantly with fox um, yeah, and and even Grant Holt, he had a manager that he played brilliantly for at Norwich yeah, quite. with with yeah. Paul Lambert, and then followed him to Aston Villa, didn't he? So. Yeah. So after that, though, John Bonds. Um, after that, he 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 really moved into this era later in the nineteen seventies, where he developed youngsters, and then played them alongside more established strikers that he'd bring in for a while, like Joe Royal and Martin Chivers. That. Right. But the two were um, uh, both sold for a million. Justin Fashionu, um, two and a half seasons in the top flight, although we were relegated in that last season. He scored 40 goals in 97 appearances in the top what? flight um, before he moved to Forest. Kevin Reeves, also two and a half seasons um, with us. And as I say, both of them were sold in a million, but then they were supported by older, more established strikers, which helped to bring them through. Yeah. So that was really the John Bond era as terms of strikers, McDougall and Boyer, and then bringing through these, these, uh, those youngsters who went on to, um, um, you know, bigger clubs. So back to what you were saying earlier, John, you know, as you said, they did well for us and then they were sought after by other teams. So we're looking for a squad. We've got 16 players. We're looking for three strikers, four strikers. What are we looking yes. for? Yes. Four strikers. Yeah. yeah. Justin Fashionu. Out of um, out of everyone you've just said. Yes. Who would you pick out of them? Well, Justin Fashionu. I mean, I didn't realise he scored 40 goals in 97 games. I mean, that's nearly half. Including that goal against Liverpool, of course. Of course, goal of the season for match of the day that, is, yeah. that everyone knows. I didn't realise, and and this is again my own naivety, probably, is that I didn't realise he was that good. Um, he was, you know, he obviously had a, a you know, a, a great time. Us, and, and as you said, with uh, um, under John Bond and uh, and that time, um, whether when you start, you know, as you say, if we're looking for four strikers, um, once we get into the um, uh, the the next batch, I suspect that he would not make say the top five. Right, but that would be my own feeling. As as indeed most uh, all of the strikers that I've mentioned uh, mentioned today, I think very important for us. Played big parts in our successful history, but when you're looking at really the cream of the cream. So give us a tease. Who we're going to do in the next episode? The next episode we. St- Start with the um, we moved into the Ken Brown era. Then the nineteen eighties, your era, John, John Dean, Keith yeah. Burchin, Kevin Drinkle, yeah. Robert, Fleck. Robert Fleck, and of course playing alongside them at that time. As you, you know, you were talking about the twos, Robert Rosario. Yes, Malcolm Allen. We'll mention Malcolm Allen. Yeah, and we'll mention Dean Coney. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> Excellent. And then actually, and then. Just moving on from that, you've got Chris Sutton and Mark Robbins 
and that will really bring us to the end of the the last century okay all right well we will uh, do that in the next episode of the new old norwich the podcast that's more steady on than splendid rush as we put together our greatest ever players so if you've got some views on the strikers we'd love to hear from you of course maybe ones we've talked about maybe ones we've missed out also justin fashion as well what did what, what actually should we be putting him into that thought process for the top four uh, you can get in touch with us we're on facebook on twitter you can track us down john cushing or peter cushing on those social media websites um interesting to see where the likes of you and roberts will be as well um and i was just thinking about that about the fact that he was at the club for a very long time and so he's, yes. he did score more goals but he was yes. he was also at the club when it was going through lots of changes, some highs and some particular lows as well. So um, yeah, he he was more again a big big player at a time when the team was in in terms fairly average, really, weren't they? You know, second tier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So mid table, really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, we will. Uh, talk about that of course as the episodes continue so it is Burnley in a couple of weeks time and we'll be back after that match to find out whether Wagner Ball is still on track this is the new Old Norwich the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush Sports Social Podcast Network Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.